It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, Welcome. here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show, and you can live stream us across the country, around the world, and throughout the solar system. Just go to LarryKudlowShow.com. All right, Memorial Day weekend, gasoline prices across the country, AAA, $4.60. That is an American record. Diesel prices, $5.53. I think that's close to a record. Diesel prices are used by truckers, and truckers deliver over 70% of goods around this country. So there's been a lot of assertions made recently at Davos, and President Biden was in Japan lauding high gasoline prices. So it's time for my Steve Coonan fix. That's what it is. Steve Coonan is a former Obama Energy Department chief scientist. He's currently a professor at New York University, NYU. He was at Caltech for many, many years. He is the author of Unsettled, What Climate Science Tells Us, What It Doesn't, and Why It Matters. Uh, Mr. Steve Coonan, welcome back to the show. Oh, great to be talking with you on this Memorial Day weekend, Larry. Yes, thank you. So, Steve, there's a lot of things to cover. Uh, one of them is Joe Biden in Japan. Um, he was asked about high gasoline prices, and he's now he, he's he's calling this the incredible transition. He's saying this incredible transition. He doesn't deny the high gasoline prices. Uh, I don't think it's particularly bothersome to him. I know it's a political issue, but you and I aren't here to talk politics. He says incredible transition, and then he said, "God willing, when it's over, we'll be stronger, and the world will be stronger." What he means by that is. We will get to some kind of net zero carbon, and uh, we will no longer use fossil fuels. And my thought is, God willing, we'll still have an economy if we don't use fossil fuels. So I want you to weigh in, if you would, please, from all of your different work. How bad is the fossil fuel story? How bad is the climate story? How bad are you know individual men and women who may have contributed to global warming? But what does it all mean? Boy, uh, you know, it's really complicated, Larry, but let me start in on, first of all, gasoline or fuel more generally uh, is the lifeblood of the economy. And the high prices that we're currently experiencing impose terrible burdens on most Americans. Uh, Some folks are, of course, uh, well enough off that it's not such a big deal, but for the great majority of Americans, uh, it raises not only their individual costs, but the cost of everything we buy. Now, is that, as the president says, ultimately a benefit? Uh, I think nobody ever does a cost-benefit analysis of decarbonization. And when you do that, or you try to do that, the answer is not so obvious. Yes, we will perhaps have a little bit less risk from climate but it's a few percent of the GDP at the end of the century, whereas the costs and the disruption of making this kind of transition, not just for the U.S., the whole globe has got to do it, uh, are significant. And it's not obvious which way it comes out, but either way, it's pretty small. I mean, are we in uh, an existential threat, an immediate existential threat mode 
from the use of no, carbon? Of course not. Of course not. The, the official reports don't say that at all. In fact, as I said, it's a few percent, according to them, of the GDP in 2100, equivalent to a couple years of growth. Mm. So anybody who uses the word existential either hasn't read the reports or is being disingenuous. What, 2%, 2.5 degrees Celsius warmer by the end of the 21st century compared to the late 1800s? You wrote that in one of your op-ed pieces. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean? I mean, why should I worry about that? Well, the answer is, in the very long term, it might cause more melting of the ice sheets and hence uh, a more rapid rise of the ocean than we might see otherwise. But when I say very long term, I'm talking about a couple centuries. Uh, we will see longer growing seasons. Uh, some areas of the globe might become a little bit less comfortable to live in, but we adapt. And, you know, as I think I said to you once before, we've seen already 1.1 degrees of rise in the last century, and the globe has done more than just fine in mm. terms of health, population, longevity, nutrition, and so on. So another one degree over a century, not going to make a big deal at all. Yeah, that, that sort of brings me to, um, to what uh, climate czar John Kerry talked about at Davos. And he went through all the alleged damages and catastrophes uh, from hurricanes and, you know, other natural disasters. He had a whole spiel about this. So I went back and looked at what our friend Bjorn Lomborg has written. Lomborg says that all these hurricanes and national and, uh, and natural disasters that uh, – the loss of human lives from these hurricanes and disasters has fallen 99% over the last 100 years. Literally, between 1920 and 2020, 99% drop in human lives lost uh, through these hurricanes and other disasters. So I say Mr. Kerry is, um, is uh, exaggerating. How's that? Um, I, I think that's one way to say it. Another is that he's being disingenuous. You know, I've, I've never met the Honorable Mr. Kerry. Um, I assume he knows a lot about diplomacy, uh, but I don't think he knows very much at all about climate or energy. And so he's got to read and he's got to listen to others. Um, he might be very selective in what he's reading or listening. Uh, maybe he's not even read the official reports, but when you do... I think they validate what Bjorn has written and I have uh, written as well. I mean, what can, all right, one more point. I had, um, I had Scott Pruitt on the TV show this past week. He's former EPA mm -hmm. commissioner. Now, one of the things that's, that he talked about was when we're measuring, when the U S government is measuring the environmental impact uh, of things, you know, whether it's oil or gas or pipelines. I mean, they, they're talking about direct impact, Steve. They're talking about indirect impact. They're talking about cumulative impact. Um, Pruitt says, what about technological advances? And he mentioned one that's very interesting, carbon uh, capture and storage. And in general, in general, 
The point is technology has made us, has made these carbon fuels, particularly natural gas, cleaner and cleaner, not dirtier and dirtier. And this is um, not, be, this information is not being modeled properly by the EPA or the Interior Department or the Energy Department. Yeah, I mean, um, any the burning of any fossil fuel, but particularly natural gas, will produce carbon dioxide. Uh, we do have the technology to capture that carbon dioxide after the burning and make sure it doesn't get into the atmosphere. The problem is it's pretty expensive. We can work to develop technologies to make that less expensive, but it's still going to be more expensive always than just letting it go up into the air. But if we have strong economic growth and we, you know, producing the resources, let's call it the financial resources, as well as the technology breakthroughs, then, you know, we stand a good chance of being able to apply these new inventions. Yeah, and we, we can. And, of course, we need the research and demonstration to bring down the cost. And we could do it in the U.S., uh, if there's enough political will and financial capital to do it. The problem with carbon uh, in the atmosphere is it's got to be done over the whole globe mm. to be effective. And right. remember, the U.S. is only 13% of emissions. I want to talk about that in a minute. Let's take a quick break. We have uh, Steve Coonan, who is now at NYU. He's former Obama's Energy Department chief scientist, Caltech before that. I want to talk exactly about how to bring the globe down and what would a world look like without carbon-related fuel and power. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. We'll be right back. Now, back to The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking to Steve Coonan, former Obama Energy Department chief scientist, currently professor at NYU. His book is Unsettled, What Climate Science Tells Us what it doesn't and why it matters. Uh, Steve Coonan, the lead editorial in today's Wall Street Journal is America's summer of rolling blackouts. Green energy policies are making the nation's electric power grid increasingly unstable. Now, look, at I, here's my thought. If we keep taking down, if, if government policies keep thwarting the use of fossil fuels, in, in this case, it has a lot to do with natural gas. The substitutes, uh, particularly wind turbines and storage, are not resilient, they're not dependable, and this is an example of jamming down an end to fossils. We don't have a replacement mechanism, and it will do great damage to the economy. That is my thought. Please uh, tell me what's yours. You know, I, I think you're right, Barry, and I've become increasingly worried over the last year that we're going much too fast without a real plan. Hmm. You know, the energy system is so important, it's not to be messed with lightly. And there is no plan other than we got to get rid of fossil fuels right. and replace them with wind and solar. I mean, serious studies have shown you just can't do that and maintain the reliability and affordability of the grid. It's going to take many decades if you want to make an emissions-free grid that's also reliable and affordable. We don't need to rush it. I mean, the other point is, let's take natural gas. If, if we were increasing our uh, 
exports of nat gas, let's say to China, let's use China. Wouldn't that make, I mean, if China used nat gas instead of coal, that would be a big factor in bringing down global emissions. I could say the same about India, which is another big carbon emitter. Okay, substituting natural gas for coal would be a great policy to achieve even these uh, so-called Paris Climate Accord goals, would it not? Yes, absolutely. Natural gas emits only about half the carbon dioxide that coal does per unit energy produced. And so it's a wonderful thing. The problem is that while it's abundant in the U.S., fortunately, and we could produce a lot more, Many other countries, particularly China, don't have, and I think India as well, don't have those resources at the scale needed. So they would, if you like, become dependent upon the U.S. Um, for natural gas. Um, I'm not so sure China would be happy about that. Yeah, well, it'd be worth a shot. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're probably right. But, I mean, you've written just in general that, you know, these these environmental models that are being used and, and, and the current, the Biden administration is just very heavy now in these environmental impact statements, but they're using models. The models, I think, don't even capture the potential for future technology breakthroughs. But you've said just looking at the past, the models aren't any good. Indeed. Uh, you know, um, there's a guy named Bjorn Stevens who runs Germany's Institute for Meteorology. And he said recently, in fact, it's difficult and in many places impossible to scientifically advise societal efforts to adapt in the face of unavoidable warming. Um, it's impossible to assess the extent to which a given degree of warming poses existential threats. There are other people who are saying the same thing. The models give us a fuzzy picture of what goes on globally, but they're practically worthless to talk about what happens in any particular place or region. So if we acknowledge, I mean, we're not denying climate impact. If we acknowledge climate impact, Steve Conan, over the next 50 years or the next 100 years, uh, with respect to GDP, it's not that big a deal is what you're saying. No, or for no it's, a, it's a few percent for three degrees of warming. And so... If you, Suppose I tell you that I could cut taxes or deregulate various business and commercial activities, which would release, you know, entrepreneurship and faster growth. Suppose I posit that that could offset whatever climate change is going on. Absolutely. And the IPCC says that the U.N. reports say that there are many other factors, some of which you just listed, that are more important than climate change in determining economic growth. And so I would love to ask the Honorable Mr. Kerry, you know, the IPCC says that, Mr. Kerry. Uh, do you deny that? <laughs> okay. well, I'm going to call him right after the show. Okay, that would be great. I'd love <laughs> and, to hear the answer. And, and talk to, I, I used to know him, but n not, not so much uh, in, in recent years. I mean, I don't have... Uh, I just wrote a column about this. Uh, a, a fossil free economy will be in a permanent recession. We are not ready for that kind of thing. It's the unknown. It's like, you know, in the Middle Ages, the, the earth was flat and they would draw these maps 
and then the map would end and it would be the rest of the map would say there be dragons because no one knew what was the i mean that's kind of what this is like there'll be dragons yeah it it is it's uncharted territory if you want to be literal about it um i expect that we would over a century readjust to having a fossil free uh economy but there would be great inequities because you've got to worry about the five billion people who don't have enough energy, mm. uh, and and it would be, we'd spend more for energy than we're doing currently. And so my my last question goes uh, uh, away from fossils. I want to go to nuclear. I want to go to nuclear power, which um, which uh, many that is the ultimate renewable nuclear power. Now the advocates, uh, you know, Miss Kerry doesn't like nuclear power. The advocates, uh, the hardliners on climate change don't like nuclear power. What about nuclear power? Shouldn't that well, be part I'm, of the mix? Yeah. So, so, again, as I may have told you before, I'm a nuclear physicist by training. Yes. So I have a great yes. affinity for fission. Um, but, look, you've got a lot of people, including the EU, uh, Stuart Brandt, the author of the Whole Earth Catalog, Michael Schellenberger, who have great environmental credentials, who have come to understand what many of us have long understood, and that is if you want an emissions-free energy system, fission, nuclear power, has got to be an important part of the picture. It's a proven technology. It is. It can be made, I believe, economic. The waste issues or spent fuel issues are manageable. Uh, the world will eventually decide it's got to do this, if it wants to be emissions-free. Would nuclear power be absolutely central, like the biggest part of of an emissions-free world? Well, you know, uh, we're going to need a mix. I think uh, gas with carbon capture and storage uh, or uh, big batteries, large storage, will also be part of it. But you've got to have that reliable source of electricity that you can turn on when the wind and solar are not generating, as can happen for weeks at a time. And I think the best way to do that uh, is fission. And I believe the world will eventually come to realize that. What is the biggest hang-up right now? Is it just oh, the psychology uh, of some of the uh, some of the disasters or, or what? Yeah, I, I think it's two, two or three things. One is that the current cost is very high. The big nuclear reactors are very expensive, mm. largely because of the need to license them individually. If we can get to factory-produced small reactors, that need goes away. Right. We can bring down the cost. Steve uh, Coonan, just- I got to stop it. Steve Coonan, you are terrific. Actually, got to come back on the TV show. We'll have uh, this conversation and more. Thanks so much. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.